Bible out of the pew there, it'll be 1,056, the Bible that's in the pew. I'm excited about this month to think about the theme of immersed, immersed into Scripture. Now we want to live our life immersed into Scripture, but to think about that for a month, we will be giving great uh, concentration in hoping to, if, if the need is there, to renew an appreciation for the Scripture, to renew a diligence to get into the Scripture, to renew a commitment to live by the Scriptures. And if you're already there, it's simply a way for all of us to appreciate the beauty of God's Word. If you've lagged a little bit behind in the studies of uh, Immersed in Awe, the daily Bible reading, you know, now is a great time to jump in. You can look at the little table of contents at the beginning, the, the, and, and you can see that right now we have just begun recently reading in the book of Acts. Now would be a great time to jump back in, commit 15 minutes a day to study. It's not so you can say, I'm a disciplined person. It's not so you can brag to somebody else. I've been reading my Bible every day. Friends, it's our life. We can't live without the Word of God. You don't live without food physically. We don't live a healthy life socially without interaction with others. You don't live a healthy life spiritually without the food of God's Word and that interaction with God. That is the only way we can have a healthy spiritual life is have that communion with God. And one aspect of that communion of God is a study of the Scriptures. Today... We've enjoyed a Bible class emphasis day. Appreciate Trey and the message that he brought to us this morning. Appreciate the various classes, having your time to eat lunch together. Most classes did that, and I know that was a blessing in the class that I was in. I've already heard several of you talk about the blessing that it's been uh, in the classes that you were in today. And it's always good to, to enjoy our time together and study of God's Word and the fellowship that even comes out of that. In Rosewell, North Carolina, a few years ago, a teacher decided that it'd just be a lot easier to fundraise in maybe an inventive uh, type of way. And so what that teacher decided to do was sell grades. For $20, a student could buy 10 points on their choice of two tests. As you can imagine, many of the students took the teacher up on that. And then finally, the school board heard of this measure. They immediately put this practice to an end, but yet the teacher did decide, as she was being questioned by the board members, she decided to come clean on where the idea came from. It was actually several of the parents that suggested it would be a great way to raise funds, and it would help their children also in the process. Would it? Would it really help the children? Do we buy into what society seems to be selling, at least parts of it, and that is everything's for sale? You know, I was trying to explain to someone just the other day how when you're in your 40s and those in their 20s may not 
be aware of the fact that there used to not be stores that you could go to one store and like almost buy it all. I mean, you remember the days if you were going to build a house, you didn't go to Lowe's that has everything. You went, you went to a plumbing place and you went to an electrical place and you went to a roofing place and you went to a lumber place and then you went to buy appliances and you went somewhere else to buy cabinets. And you know, before Walmart, what did you do? You went to all these various stores You know, now we are so accustomed to convenience, to one stop. And if you have the money, you can buy it, and you can have it right then. Tonight, if I fall and pray to that idea that everything in life needs to come easy, let's let this month, let's let this lesson tonight be the beginning of the cracking of that hard shell that there's some things that don't come quickly. They don't come easily, and they cannot be bought. Do you realize there's not one store you can walk into? There's not one drive through that you can drive through. There's not a certain amount of money. You give it, and guess what you have? All the knowledge you need. Just like that. You just happen to walk into the right store, and now you know everything that you need to know. The truth's not for sale. You can't just go out and walk away with it. It's gained. It's fed upon. It's meditated upon. It's only from God. Tonight, I hope that you're willing to take that journey. I hope you're willing to say, as long as I am alive, I'm going to be a student of God's Word. Ah, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That might be true. I used to be around animals every day. And I admit, it is harder to teach an old dog new tricks. But isn't that wonderful? Tonight, we're not talking about dogs or tricks. We're talking about people and truth. Tonight, it doesn't matter how young or how old If you had to answer right now, what have I learned in the last two weeks from Scripture? What could you write down on paper? What have I learned the last two weeks from Scripture? And you know that that question is gracious. You know that none of us ought to have to go over two weeks to learn something. We ought to be able to say, what have I learned today? No matter what day of the week it is, we ought to be able to say, what is it today that I've learned in the Word of God? What is it today that I appreciate that I've studied in the Word of God? And this month, if you have failed to appreciate... Isn't it amazing sometimes how we have diamonds in our own backyard and we forget how valuable they are? This month is a month to pull out those diamonds and say, I want to recognize them. To have the opportunity to study Scripture is beautiful and it's powerful. And all of you that are teachers, you have the opportunity to teach something that is so beautiful and so powerful. The great Apostle Paul can be studied and appreciated for many, many reasons. 
late in his life, as he knew that he was about to die, he wrote the text that we read tonight in 2 Timothy. But he doesn't just write it to anyone, although it's recorded inspired scripture, so now it is for everyone. But this particular scripture he addresses to Timothy, and the lessons come over to us because it's in the Holy Writ. But the fact is, he had something that he wanted to communicate to a young man that he had been teaching each time tonight that I say that word. I want you to think about the importance of Scripture and the importance of teaching and learning the Scripture. There was something that he had been, or that he had been teaching this young man for many years. And now he knows that, that he's going to die soon. This is the last writing we have of Paul. And there was something that he wanted to leave this young man. And notice as we read just two verses here in 2 Timothy, the second chapter, look at verse 1 and 2. He says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What is it that I need to learn about teaching tonight, especially as it relates to teaching the Scriptures. And, and what is it, as we look at kind of that same topic from a different angle, what is it that I need to learn tonight, especially when it comes to learning the Scriptures? One of the things is how Paul, with Paul, it was so personal. It was so much about a relationship. Notice as, as he has things that he wants this young man to learn, he doesn't just say, hey, you, get this. Instead he says... My son. My is pretty personal. We see how, how tender it sounds for him to say my. But then also notice as he says son, that too makes it personal. He's looking at him like family, but also with the idea of son comes somewhat of authority. He didn't say my brother. We're equals here. In other words, he's speaking as a voice of authority to say, I have something, son, that I want you to learn. Do you realize that when you and I speak from the Word of God, we do speak with authority? And we don't need to be ashamed about that. We don't need to be arrogant about that. But it is a fact that when I speak the Word of God, I'm speaking from the highest authority that there is. And so he has a message, and, and it's for my son. It's for Timothy. Why do you think that he could look at Timothy in such a close way be turning back, if you will, to Acts, the 16th chapter, and be thinking about how much of our learning takes place outside the classroom. That's not to take away from the importance of inside the classroom. Inside the classroom, there's also so much learning that, that should and does take place. But let us never forget that the learning shouldn't stop there. That there's so much more that we ought to be teaching outside the classroom and learning outside the classroom. This is where we see... Paul, on the second missionary journey in Acts, the 16th chapter, uh, as we begin scanning verse 1, he's coming to Derby and Lystra, and then notice there was a certain disciple there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek, and implied there he probably wasn't a believer either. He was well, this is Timothy, was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Now Paul's there. Here, here's a missionary, Paul. He sees a young man. He's passing through a town. And you can imagine people coming over to Paul and talking with him and saying, you see that young man over there? I tell you what, his name is Timothy. 
His father's not even a believer. You wouldn't believe how that young man is on fire. Paul goes on a little bit about it, and, and he runs into somebody else. Hey, have you met the young man Timothy? We are really impressed with him around here. We think that he's going to be able to do great things in the church. Paul, you need to make sure you meet him. Oh, we don't know exactly what the brethren were saying, but it's recorded here by Luke that the brethren were impressed by Timothy, and they let Paul know how impressed they were with Timothy. And so what does he do? Son, I'm only going to be in town a few days. How about if we sit down and I give you a three-hour seminar on how to be a great minister one day? Well, you know, if we read that he did that, probably all of us would say, hats off to Paul. Isn't that wonderful? He took time to invest his life in, in a potentially uh, great minister one day. But didn't he go a huge step beyond that? Now, as we are about to study this, I want any of you as parents to think, are you going to huge steps to help your children learn the Scripture? Grandparents, are you going to any huge steps to help your grandchildren learn the Scripture? Bible class teachers, I know that you have a, a huge job going into Bible class and, and having a, a well-prepared, truthful lesson, and, and we really do love and appreciate every one of you and what you do. But tonight, or is it fair to challenge you to even say beyond that, what huge steps do you take to really try to pull students into greater knowledge. Is Paul simply going to have a little classroom study here with this young man? Think about what is meant when verse 3 is recorded by Luke here. Think about what is being said, verse 3, Acts the 16th chapter. Paul wanted to have him to go on with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. Isn't it interesting? He wanted him. Desire. He took him. Action. He took him on the missionary trip. But he knew that as he was leaving his little hometown here, and as Paul was going to go into all kind of Jewish synagogues to make contacts, you know, when we go on mission trips, making contacts is so important. And, and so Paul knew that the synagogue was going to be the place that he was going to be making contacts, but if he brought an uncircumcised man into the synagogue, well, it wasn't going to work. He wasn't going to be able to bring an uncircumcised man into the synagogue. And so what was he going to have to do? For him to be equipped, for this mission work, Paul took upon him, we've got to equip you. In this particular sense, we're going to have you circumcised. What do we see here? We see a man that was going to make sure he desired to help this man. Action. He took this man. He equipped this man. Are there any individuals in your life that your help for them has gone far beyond the classroom, that you have a deep desire to help them grow closer to God. 
and you take action to help them grow closer to God. And if there are things that they need to be equipped with, you do your best to equip them so that they can be ready. From this mission trip, Paul built a relationship that's going to be lifelong for Paul with Timothy. And we could read passage after passage after passage where Timothy and Paul did great things for God's glory. We can see where Timothy alone, without Paul, did great things for God's glory. But where does it go back to? A big part of his life as a minister and as a missionary must surely go back to that man that said, I, I desire, I want to take action, I want to equip you. And what happens? When we see that kind of personal connection, it makes all the difference in the world. My sister and I grew up in public schools. I remember her second grade teacher driving 10 miles out into the country to just pay a visit to our family. I was five years old. Now, why do I remember that 39 years later? Why? I mean, really, isn't that kind of strange? Or is it powerful when teachers take action to prove that they have a strong desire that goes beyond the classroom? How powerful are teachers? No matter what your age, no matter what your age, and no matter if it was in school or at church in Bible classes, if you remember the name of an elementary school teacher, raise your hand. Now keep your hands up and everybody look around. How powerful are teachers? Some of you raised your hands that you're going back 70 plus years. And you remember a name. Why? I could ask you some of your friends back in that time period and you'd say, oh, I can't remember their name. Why do you remember a teacher? Why do you remember it just like that? Because teachers empower us. They offer us something that connects us to something that we didn't know, that now we have it. And it's like opening doors. This knowledge just continually pushes us through life. And think about the young people where someone takes the time to introduce a concept that they've never understood before. Resurrection. There will be a teacher sitting out in this audience right now that will help one of these elementary school students here understand resurrection like they've never understood it before. And it's going to open up a door for them that every time the Lord's Supper is served, they're going to think back. And if they don't remember your name, and even if they don't remember the exact class, still their memory is going to be tied back to that day of that understanding. Do you realize we could right now, we could start saying, what do you know about Joseph? What do you know about Saul? What do you know about David? What do you know about redemption? What do you know about heaven? What do you know about hell? What do you know about judgment? All of these things, facts are flying through your minds. Where did they come from? You learned them. And many of those things were taught to you. Taught to you when? 
Oh, a particular Sunday night, a Wednesday night, a devotional, a time that your family sat down and studied together when you heard two elders talking and, and you were just at the table and you listened to them and on and on and on. Do you realize how valuable knowledge is? But so much of our knowledge comes from personal contact. A teacher and a student, only a few feet apart, But it's not simply just, hey, let's try to be close to each other. It does us good. It does, but it's so much more important than that. You notice again as we look there, 2 Timothy 2, the rest of verse 1, and 2 Timothy, the second chapter, the text when he says, You therefore, my son, he says, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Notice this. Be strong. What, what can teachers help us to do? Paul helped Timothy be this. What was it? Strong. But notice it's strong what? In the grace, where is it? In Christ Jesus. Teachers, when we're doing our jobs right, and whether, you know, you may say, well, I don't teach in a classroom. Do you teach your children? Do you teach your grandchildren? Do, do, do you aid others in being strong? growing in the grace that is found only in Christ Jesus. This isn't found outside in the world. This isn't found as someone just looks inwardly and evaluates their life. This isn't found as we seek outside philosophies from men. This isn't found from other religions. Where is this found? Paul wanted Timothy to find this strength that is from the grace that is found in Christ Jesus. What do teachers do? They connect students with Christ. Why? You're a third grade Bible class teacher here. You're an eighth grade Bible class teacher. You teach the three-year-old class here. You teach an adult class here. Any of those. Why do you teach? Ultimately, your motive has to be, I want to move people closer to God. Because when they move closer to God, they find the strength that is in the grace of that is in Christ Jesus. And if we ever forget why we do what we do, we rob our students of the opportunity to learn. I think his last name was Oglesby, and he wrote an article about teaching, and he gave three teachers. He says, every teacher you've ever had will fall under one of three categories. One is the forgotten teachers. You forget them after a short period of time because they really had very little to do with your education. They came into class late. They came in unprepared. It was obvious that they did not have a strong interest in you or what they were teaching, and therefore you learned little and you were disappointed with them as a teacher. And although you might think, oh, I'd never forget that teacher. Most of the time we do. They just simply do not stick with us because they didn't teach us anything. But then there's the forgiven teacher. Those were the ones that it's obvious if, if a teacher was a one talent or, or a five talent, it's obvious this particular teacher was a one talent. But you appreciated them. Because even though they weren't the most capable teacher... They always gave it their all. 
they always prepared and they always did their best to connect. And even though you wouldn't get close to saying, that's one of my favorite teachers I've ever had, you appreciate them and you learn from them. And whatever inadequacies they had, you forgave them even that very same day. But then, there is the forever remembered teacher. When I had you raise your hands a few moments ago, you were thinking about that kind of teacher because those are the ones that typically God has given them the five talents of teaching. And they come in wanting to move students in knowledge. Wanting students not to just learn something, but to be stronger, to be closer to God. What is it you want for your children? This month, we're not going to be talking about this point every lesson this month. But I do want you as a parent to be thinking about that, please. What is it you want for your children? There is nothing that we should want for our children more than them to be constantly growing closer to God. But if we are not making sure that they are constantly feeding from this book, we're not serious about that. We can say all day long, I want my child close to God. But if we are not getting them inside this book, there is nothing serious, there's nothing meaningful about us saying that. And so here, here is a man that... He knows that it will not be that long before he dies. And what does he say? My son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. But quickly and finally, notice this last point as again we mentioned verse 2. Look at verse 2 again where he says, And these things that you have heard from me. See, he's saying, I've taught these things to you among many witnesses. Many have heard me teach these things to you. What does he say now to Timothy? He's saying to Timothy, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The word commit there is a powerful word that means to deposit. And so Paul begins this verse by saying, I've taught you these things. In other words, I've deposited these things into your life, but it's never to stop there. Now you are in turn supposed to find other faithful men and deposit it into their life so they too can find other faithful and deposit it into their life. Think about a, a living chain. Jesus taught Paul the gospel through a miraculous measure. Paul taught Timothy. He said it right here. He's telling Timothy, I want you to commit, I want you to deposit those things into the lives of other faithful men. And when you do that, you teach those men that they are to deposit it also into other lives so they can continue this chain. I've tried to think of various ways this week to illustrate it. Let's try this. If you have ever taught Matt Collins in Bible class, raise your hand. Matthew Collins, several hands. You know, Matthew is studying Bible right now. Matt's studying Bible to be a youth minister. Probably in just a few years, 
He's going to be teaching another generation about God. His family and this congregation have made deposits into his life for about 21 years now. And he's going to go out and he's going to make deposits. And he'll make deposits into youth that they too will grow up and they'll make deposits. And here's the question. Would you be the one to break the link? God has a plan for every one of us to not only live and love this book, but to make sure that our families, our children, our grandchildren are taught this book. And what difference does it make? All the difference. All the difference. Wednesday night, as I watched the news, it broke my heart, as I'm sure any of you that saw it, and just for our area, the MTSU basketball player comes into her apartment. Wednesday evening, her and her roommate apparently have a dispute, a struggle, and a young woman is dead. I've been studying and thinking about this lesson. And when I heard that, my first thought was, other than just pain for their families, how would those two girls, how would their life be different today, Sunday, just a few days afterwards, if they both would have went to Bible class Wednesday? You think maybe something would have been studied out of Scripture that would have made it so that when they got back home, that night and they had some kind of disagreement, maybe they would have handled it differently. Have you ever thought about like the scenario of the movie It's a Wonderful Life? And you know in that movie you're able to look back and see what a difference it makes with people con making contact? Have you ever thought how different your life would be if you just took some Wednesday night classes out? Just take out some Sunday morning studies? Take out some sermons, and now who are you? I don't know exactly what that answer is, but tonight the simple point that I'm trying to illustrate is you wouldn't be the same person. Christians are formed by submission to God. And we take the knowledge out, and we're different people. We react to problems differently. We have a different focus. We have a different purpose. We have different goals. We have different dreams. And the only way we can get it right, the only way we can get it right, is to love this book and the God who gave it. Tonight, we had a prayer just a few moments ago offered talking to the Almighty God that everyone would leave here tonight being able to say, 
it is well with my soul. If facing eternity right now would not be well with your soul, God has sent us a message of how it can be. If you're ready to be immersed into Christ, or if you have been immersed into Christ and you've left the way and you know right now it's not well with your soul, this book tells us of a Lord saying, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Tonight, if you need rest, if you need to find a life of peace, we serve a great God who offers it. Do you want to come to Him? If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.
Thank you, David, for a great message tonight. If you didn't get a chance to take the Lord's Supper this morning, we want to give you that opportunity. And it is prepared to a room. If you'll exit these doors in the back here, someone will point you in the right direction. Uh, as we're having people dismiss, we'll sing one more song and then we'll be closed out in prayer. Thank you so much for being with us today. And I uh, hope you enjoyed the worship this evening. And I um, hope you'll come back again and see us as soon as you can. Gracious and kind Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this day and all its many blessings. We thank Thee for the opportunity we've had to assemble here to worship Thee and to come back again tonight to worship Thee again and hear, listen from Thy Word and sing songs of praises to Thee. Pray that Thou be with us each throughout this week, that we may each take what we have learned today and learn to serve Thee better and to take what we have learned to pass on to someone else. Our Heavenly Father, we pray for the group that is leaving this week to go to El Salvador. We pray that will grant them a safe journey there and that their work will be beneficial to the people there and a safe journey home. Pray for Brother Paul Humphrey as he is 
on his journey to Sudan, that he may have a safe journey there and back. Pray now that thou wilt dismiss us in your name, and forgive us of our sins, as I pray in Christ's name. Amen.